sins away. Oh, say much I'm glad. From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord, Publishers and Ministries here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Dr. Shelton Smith, and this is Making a Difference. And dear friends, welcome today. We're glad to have you along with us. We are going to be talking today about some things like we try to do every day that I believe do make a difference. They make a difference in each one of us when we get hold of the truths that God's given us in his word. And at the same time, when you and I get hold of it and we have influence and we begin to use those making a difference concepts that the Lord gives us, we do make a difference in our world. And that is something all of us ought to be attentive to. And so, yes, we call our program Making a Difference because we believe, indeed, the Lord makes a difference and his word makes a difference. So every single day, we just open up the Bible and look at some great things the Lord's given. Now, this week, I started with uh, talking about the Great Commission that the Lord gave in Matthew 28. And then we looked at the other statements that are Great Commission-like in Mark and Luke and John and Acts. And we just said the Great Commission has been stated and restated. And uh, yesterday, we looked at an illustration of the Great Commission in Luke chapter 14, where the Bible talks about us going after the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind, and everybody else. The Lord just made clear that what he offers, he offers to everybody. Now, today and probably tomorrow as well, I want to show you some personal illustrations of Jesus himself where he dealt with an individual person and how he went about that. You know, some of us can be uh, just tremendous Christians, we think. I mean, you know, we're saved and we're trying to follow the Lord, but we lose patience with other people. And that ought not really to happen. Sometimes it's uh, the people who are out in the world and it's like, well, they don't care, so why should I? On the other hand, even among fellow Christians, sometimes we become impatient when we ought to be patient. And listen, the Lord lays out some things for us in his personal dealings with people that uh, really are strong lessons for us. Now, as you probably know, if you've been a Christian, if you've been reading the Bible very long, you know that when Jesus was here on the earth, great crowds followed him. They attended to his meetings. Thousands of people came to hear him, to listen to him, and many, many thousands of them followed him and uh, really were uh, received him in every sense of the word. But uh, in spite of the fact that he had large crowds, Jesus also had many personal encounters with individual people, and there is, you know, a difference between a crowd and a single person. And yet, whenever you and I realize it, those of us who get the microphone, those of us who have the opportunity to be in front of crowds, should never, ever forget that every crowd is a gathering of individuals. And so we must deal with every single person uh, like they are the only one. And for that moment, they are. So let's look at some examples of how Jesus dealt with people. I think we're going to find some things here that'll help all of us to get on track and stay on track in the way that we deal with other people. To begin today, let's look at Nicodemus in chapter number three of John's gospel. Now, you may remember that uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus under the cloak of darkness. He was a very, very important man in Jerusalem. He was one of those people that, you know, if you really wanted to just uh, say it in some kind of a statement of the vernacular, you'd say, this guy was a big shot. He was somebody who was well-known. He was well-positioned. 
He had influence in Jerusalem because of his rank. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. He was a ruler among the Jews and had great reputation. People knew him. When he walked around over town, people spoke to him, called him by name perhaps. They were very respectful toward him because of his position, because of his reputation, and probably, no doubt, because of all of that, he was a man of great wealth. So this man, I mean, he is somebody in Jerusalem But interestingly enough, he also was a man of religion. So here is this man like that with all of these credentials, and he sought Jesus out. He came to Jesus. Jesus did not go looking for him, but in this case, the man came looking for Jesus. But because of who he was, because of his position, and because he knew that what Jesus was talking about was different from what his religion was, he came under the cloak of darkness. It's like he was afraid to come out in the open and even inquire. He was afraid, I guess, even to be seen in conversation with Jesus. So he comes fearfully, but at the same time, he comes sincerely. So how did Jesus deal with that? Well, if you read John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, you'll discover that Jesus received him. He accepted the fact that this man was coming under the cloak of darkness. He was coming privately and confidentially, and Jesus allowed him to come in that way. And once that he received him into a setting where they could talk, he then listened to what the man had to say. Nicodemus spoke up and uh, said, uh, we know you're a teacher that's come from God. No man can do the miracles that you do except God be with him. So he is telling Jesus what he's got on his mind. And then Jesus responded to him and said, verse 3, John chapter 3, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So even though Jesus is attentive to Nicodemus, he receives him warmly, but he is not accommodating his religion. He is not accommodating where he is. He is not accommodating the cultural thing that Nicodemus was engaged in. But instead, he went right to the point and he said, Nicodemus, this is what you need. You need to be born again. And uh, Jesus was well aware of who Nicodemus was and what he was talking about, who he was dealing with, but he was certainly not intimidated by it. Now, let me just say, if you and I in the course of our life, have the privilege to be in the presence of uh, people in political office, people of great wealth. If we have the opportunity to be with people who have high standing in their community, you and I need to be attentive to them. We need to be aware of who they are. We do not need, in any sense of the word, to uh, look down upon them or show disrespect to them. But at the same time, we should not be intimidated by them. We should not just say, well, we'll accommodate and go along with whatever they want. No, Jesus laid out the issue very, very clearly. And when Nicodemus said, how is it possible for a man to be born when he's old? Can he go back into his mother's womb and be born a second time? Jesus answered very clearly when he said, no, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. 
And in the verse before that, he referenced it as a birth of water and as a birth of the Spirit. And obviously, the birth of the water is the physical birth, clearly explained in the following verse that I just quoted. And then Jesus said again, I'm just telling you, you've got to be born a second time. You were born once physically, that got you into this world. You've had a biological birth. Now you need to have an eternal birth. You need to have a spiritual birth. You need to be born into the family of God. So here we have a man of great wealth and great position, and yet Jesus deals with him just like he would be anybody else. Jesus was very upfront with Nicodemus. Because even though he was what we'd call an up-and-out man, not a down-and-outer, but he was an up-and-out man, yet Jesus dealt with him exactly the way that he needed to deal with him, thus to make it possible for him to come to salvation. Now, let's look at another one here in the Gospel of John. In fact, in the very next chapter, we're talking about how Jesus dealt with people and what we can learn from that. In John chapter 4, we have the account of the one we call the woman at the well. This is a person who is uh, often looked upon as uh, one that's been shut out uh, because, after all, she was a Samaritan. And what we have here in this passage is a racial issue. It is a racial issue because the Samaritans were a people of mixed blood. They were not purebred in the sense that they were totally Jew or totally this, that, or the other. Here Jesus is in a public place. And he strikes up a private conversation with somebody who is most often shut out by the Jews. They did not have dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus, right here in wide open public, has a very personal, private conversation with this woman, and she is shocked by it. She doesn't know right now who he is, but she is shocked by the fact that he would engage her in conversation. And when he did, guess what? He immediately went on message. He did not take time to talk about all of her societal issues and what was going on in the world around. No, he went right to the message that he wanted to give to her. He went where others would not go by being there. I mean, just being at that place. When he cut through Samaria, he knew where he was going. He knew the people that he would encounter. And a lot of people do not go into places like that. They just would not go. But Jesus is telling us here that we should go where the people are. Now, why is it that people will not go into certain neighborhoods? Well, sometimes it's because of pride, other times prejudice, sometimes because they think it's beneath their position, or maybe other reasons. But Jesus went right through Samaria, and uh, being wearied with his journey and uh, needing refreshment, he stopped at Jacob's well, and right there he engaged this woman in a conversation, her a perfect stranger, and what did he do? He addressed her issues. In verse 9, when she said, uh, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans, Jesus said, if you just knew who you were talking to, you would know that I have water to give you that will cause you to never thirst again. And, uh, of course, she said she wanted to have that water. So Jesus said, you can have that. Uh, it's not what you'll draw out of this well, but it's something I'm going to give you that will provide for you from now on. And uh, she was very, very willing to receive it. She said, sir, give me this water. And then Jesus said, by the way, you go tell your husband about this and uh, come back then. And listen, she knew the story of her life. And what she didn't know was he knew. He wasn't trying to get information here. He already knew the information. And uh, when the woman said, I have no husband, Jesus said, you've spoken well, dear. 
you have spoken well, he said, because not having a husband, but you've had five husbands, and you're now living with a man to whom you are not married. And all of that just absolutely brought to her mind, to her conscience, to her spirit, what she needed, and she responded to that, and she went back into the city, of course, uh, telling people that here's a man who told me everything that I ever did, and surely this man is a prophet. He is, in fact, the Messiah, and a lot of people came out of the city. I mean, this woman was not a person with great reputation. This woman was probably looked down upon even in her society, and she yet had great influence when she told people what she had found. Many came out and believed on Christ because of her saying, because of her testimony. And yet, you know, a lot of people would have passed around this lady. They would not have dealt with her at all. And we learn from Jesus here. We deal with people where they are. Nicodemus was a rich man. This woman was uh, not rich at all, in all likelihood. Uh, she was somebody who was kind of the downcast of the society. And yet Jesus dealt with her warmly. He dealt with her compassionately. He dealt with her firmly but fully, and provided the message, the same message he had given to Nicodemus, he also gave to this woman at the well. Dear friends, his example, what Jesus shows us in dealing with people, ought to be a mentoring experience for us. It ought to tutor us in how we also deal with people. Now, Lord willing, tomorrow I'm going to show you a couple of three other illustrations of how Jesus dealt with people. In fact, it does me good to just walk back through this and to see these precious truths, these precious encounters that Jesus had, and I think it'll help us all. So let's look at it again tomorrow, and I trust you'll join me then. We're just talking about how to effect the Great Commission that Jesus gave us and to do it well. So do get in touch with me. I would love to hear from you and to know the station on which you hear the broadcast. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. So get in touch. I will be delighted to hear from you, and I will respond. And listen, don't hesitate to check us out at our website at swordofthelord.com. We've got a lot of good things there that you'll find interesting. So check it out, swordofthelord.com. Listen, until tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now. <music>